So uh, there is a man and a, and a son riding on a train. And the boy's looking out the window, and the dad's probably in his mid-50s. The son's about 25, somewhere in their mid-20s. He's a, both are grown men. But regardless, father and his son are on this train ride. And the son, even though he's 25, he's looking out the window in awe. And he says, Dad, the trees are going behind us. And his dad's like, yeah, they are. Isn't that awesome? And he's, a little bit later, he says, Dad, the clouds are racing us. And the dad's like, yeah, they are racing us. And there's a passenger sitting close by, and he's listening to all this, and you know he, he feels pretty sorry for the son. He's like, here's a grown man who's you know, in awe of all this stuff going by on this typical plane, you know, train ride. And uh, pretty soon the kid's you know, bragging on everything. Look, Dad, there's a dog. You see it? You see it, Dad? There's a dog. Yes, I see it. And both of them are so excited, and this passenger just can't take it anymore. So he looks at the dad, and he says, you should get this boy to a good doctor. This is a fictional story. I should put that in there. And uh, <laughs> yeah, don't, don't judge this man yet. And the dad said, actually, we're just coming from the hospital. My son's had vision impairment since he was born, and he's had a cornea surgery. So he's seeing all this stuff for the first time. So while the pastor said they're thinking this grown man has a mental issue that needs to be addressed, really he was just taking in all of nature and seeing it for the first time through brand new eyes. And that's, I think we get snippets of people's lives and we base a judgment on that. And we're all guilty of it. I'm guilty of it for sure. I get a new student at the first day of school, and within 10 minutes, I'm like, I got you pegged. You know, and then you realize as you spend time with these kids, they have a lot more story than what they let on at school. And all of us are like that. And if you hang around high school kids or middle school kids, um, we could learn a lot as adults from them about how open and honest some of them are with their stories and, and their willingness to share. So last week, Mark introduced this... Um, well, he didn't introduce it, but he talked about it. Matthew 7, uh, verse 1, he read several verses about judgment and how we've kind of abused that verse um, throughout the Christian community for, for quite some time. And uh, we use that as a way to kind of do what we want as believers. Judge not. Or as a way to not approach people. Judge not. You know, they, they have their own thing going on. And there's some truth to being wise in judging. I'm sick. If my voice cracks throughout this whole thing, just go with it. Um, I put off going to the doctor for like two weeks, and that wasn't good. So I got a steroid shot Monday, and here I am, still having a hard time breathing. But uh, we have abused that terminology so much, I really appreciate the words that Mark shared last week about how there is discernment and there's judgment. It, it's unwise for us to think that we don't judge every decision that we make. It's, it's unwise for us to think that we can use that verse as a way to say, anyone can do whatever they want. Who, who are we to judge? Even though we're not judging their eternity, even though we're not putting ourselves in God's throne, there's judgments that we have to make every day. So I was thinking on this, I really wanted to expound on a little bit more, just even personally, what that means for me. And I thought about it a lot this morning, and you guys ever have just random things in your life that kind of paint the picture for you, that make the image a little bit clearer for you than what it was before? So I've attempted to watch the movie Coco. You guys know what that is? The cartoon movie Coco? I've attempted to watch it with my kids like five or six times. It's on Netflix. It's easy to pull up and turn on. But I've either fallen asleep or I've watched part of it, and I have never have finished the movie. And it's a really bizarre cartoon. It's like the, the Day of the Dead, uh, whatever. It's very um, Latino, Hispanic in culture, the movie is. If you've seen it, you know what I'm talking about. But this whole movie, this boy has this picture, 
and the face is ripped off. It's his great-great-grandmother and his great-grandmother and his great-grandfather. And you can see his body, and you can't see the head. So no one talks about him because he was a musician, and he chose music over his family. And the whole movie is how this family has totally gone away from music. They don't celebrate music at all. They become shoemakers, and uh, they live their life free from music. Well, this little boy wants to be a music musician. So he's hiding his guitar in places. He's trying to be a musician. And the story unfolds, long story short, he finds out that the guy he thought was his grandpa, he, he, like, he nails it. He, he doesn't nail it, but he thinks he nails it, that his grandpa was a musician. They all have known that. Well, there's this really famous musician called Ernesto, Ernesto de la Cruz. Any parents help me out? Is that right? Ernesto de la Cruz, like, yeah, that's it, okay. Ernesto de la Cruz is uh, this famous musician. He thinks that's his grandfather because when he breaks the picture frame, he's trying to get his guitar out from hiding, um, he unfolds a picture and there's a guitar. The picture's still torn, he doesn't see the face, but there's Ernesto de la Cruz's guitar. And Ernesto is his grandfather. The, the picture's made clear to him. He sees that his grandpa was this famous musician who everyone celebrates, and he's excited about it. Well, you progress throughout the movie and you find out Ernesto de la Cruz was a murderer who wasn't actually his grandpa. And this homeless skeleton guy that comes into this picture is his actual grandpa who wrote all these famous songs. And he fills in the blanks and realizes that while the picture was clear to him when the guitar was unfolded, he was still missing a big chunk of it. He was missing the face of his grandpa. So whenever he put all these pieces together, he found the, the image, of, or his grandma gave him the picture, whatever. He puts this together. This is way more confusing than it should be. He puts this picture together, and his grandpa is Hector, somebody who's just like a typical guy who no one's ever heard of. But he's a guy that wrote all these famous songs and was murdered by the famous musician, and his guitar was stolen. So the, the story makes sense, but you didn't get that until the picture was put together. A lot of times we look at life, we look at people's lives from an unfinished picture, from a torn picture, and we see parts of it. And we make our whole judgment based on those parts that we see, but we don't get the full picture. And that's what he's saying. I'm going to reread verse 1, uh, starting in Matthew chapter 7, on down to uh, verse 5. So judge not that you may not be judged. A lot of times we stop there, and that's what Mark addressed last week. We, we stop there and we really focus on that part. Judge not lest you, lest you be judged. Don't judge anybody because you don't want to be judged. And if we take that and base our whole picture, our whole theology on that verse alone, then we miss a lot of things. Because if you just read on after that, Jesus has a lot more to say about this judging thing. For with judgment you pronounce you will be judged, and with the measure you use it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that's in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when there is the log in your own eye? The hip you hypocrite, first... Take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. So there's a lot of um, things in people's eyes going on here. And for some reason this morning, as I was thinking about this, thinking about that picture, that Coco movie that we finished the other day, um, it kind of clicked for me more than it had before. Um, I don't know why, probably because I'm just a slow learner. <laughs> but this is very much about how we see the big picture. That's all this is talking about. And it's not talking about, you know, you can't judge anything, and you should never make a judgment in your life. And Mark really hit that hard last week. But it brought me back. We spent like three months in Romans 12 last year, right? Mark introduced Romans 12. And a big part of that was seeing ourselves soberly. 
or clearly are using sober judgment for ourselves, understanding who you are in Christ, understanding who you are without Christ, understanding who Christ is making you to be, seeing ourselves clearly so we can better love others. Because if I know that I mess up, I'm going to be a lot less likely to be hard on someone that does, that's made that same mistake because I've been there and I've done it. But so often we go back to this and we don't put those things together. We don't put all those pieces of the big picture together and we focus on the little things. And we get ourselves in trouble because what happens is I'll hear somebody complain about something and I'll be like, oh, they're just judgmental. So I judge them for judging, which is a weird, weird cycle. And uh, you never can escape it because... I'm upset that they were judgmental and they're judgmental because of what someone else did. And we live our lives based around these little snippets of other people's lives, other people's stories that we get. And we never really see the big picture when we're in that. So I thought it was, it's kind of a, you know, weird how Jesus uses um, the demonstration or the figurative speech or whatever that he uses. Um, and I think that it's very, very intentional, mainly because he's God. <laughs> but when we're trying to remove a speck from someone else's eye, I always think, Literally, I have kids that work in my shop class, right? We saw through wood, we drill through stuff, we weld, there's sparks, there's little metal fragments all the time. And even though the only rule that they have to go, you know, abide by every time they go in here, Carson can attest, is what? What's the first thing you grab when you go in the shop? Safety glasses, right? Because you're trying to keep specks from getting in your eye. Every time we go in there, somebody will take their glasses off and lay them down. I spend the majority of my time in the shop reminding kids to put their glasses back on. It's just a given. It's never going to get any better. But the reason that they take them off is because when they put them on, they start to fog up. And they get fingerprints on them because all these kids have touched them. So when they have them on, they can't see clearly because they're all messed up or they're scratched up or whatever. So they take them off so they can see clearly. They can get the foggy glasses off their eyes, the scratched up glasses off their eyes. The problem with that is, even though they're attempting to see clearly, they have the potential of losing their vision, and that's my job to keep them from doing that. So I have to get on to them about that. But if you've ever had anything in your eye, no matter how small it is, you can't see nothing because you're so worried about getting it out, right? You got your eye closed, and you're rubbing it in there real good, and you're scratching everything up, and you're making a big mess out of it. And if you're like me, um, you know, you just keep on at it until either you lose your eye or it comes out. And I put all kinds of eye drops in there and everything, but... You don't worry about anything else because that speck, even though it's so small, feels so big when it's in your eye. Everyone here is nodding their head, so I appreciate that. You guys understand what I'm saying there. And then he says, don't worry about the speck in someone else's eye. Why? Because you have a plank or a log in your own. So I had a weird conversation with a student this week about perspective. Um, it just come out of nowhere. They were talking about they said, how can I just be in a good mood all the time? I'm like, well, no one can ever be in a good mood all the time. That is unrealistic. We were talking about perspective, looking at things at different angles and stuff. And the closer something is to you, the bigger it is. We've talked about this a lot in here before. Mark has addressed this. If you're looking at the ground below you, um, that's all you see. It's just that little area. If you're in an airplane looking down below at 30,000 feet, you can see the whole globe. You can see the curvature of the earth. You can see the clouds. You can see all of it. It's important to zoom in and see what's really going on. It's also important to zoom out and see how small some of these issues that we get so bent out of shape about are really, I mean, they're super small. So when we have a log or plank in our own eye, I wanted, I thought about this like 9 o'clock this morning when I was coming up here. I told Meredith I want to get a big picture and like hang it back here and just lean a board up against it and have like the board covering up something important to that picture. 
But that wouldn't even really do it justice, like move it at the end, because y'all are sitting away from the board. The board's against the picture, right? What Jesus is talking about here is you have the plank in your eye. It's your perspective. You can't see anything because that plank is it's covering your whole vision. All you can see is that plank. And uh, so you're worried about someone else's little speck. They can't see the big picture, right? Um, if I disagree with somebody, um, if you're on social media at all, you see this all the time. We comment. Um, if you've ever been drug into a comment section on social media or any kind of article online, you know what I'm talking about here. Uh, try, try, try to avoid that at all costs. It's a, a never-ending cycle, and usually you both have big logs in your eyes, and you're just trying to point out each other's logs, and you can't see it because you still got the log in there. Um, but we're trying so hard to be right, to be correct, to know that the log that we have in our eye, sorry, the log that we have in our eye is the true log, right? That's the log that should be there. Um, that's the log that my grandfather put in my eye when I was a kid, right? And it's always been there, and it has to be true because I love my grandpa, and he wouldn't put that log there if it wasn't true. So we have these logs, and a lot of times we don't want to remove them because they become part of us. We hold on to them so hard. And just for example, it can be small things that people argue about. How many hymns should you sing on a Sunday morning? What color should the carpet be? How bright should we have the lighting in the room? Or whatever. And I appreciate this group of people so much because if you do complain about the music or anything like that, you usually don't do it to me. Like I've never had anybody come up and say how terrible it was. Um, but I know I've, I've been places where people will do that. And uh, usually it's because of a preference that they have, and it's a log. We have these preferences, and we can't see past our own selfishness. So thinking big picture here, Romans 12 really lays out the, the groundwork for how we should live as a Christian, to think of ourselves soberly, have sober judgment about ourselves. And then we come back here where Jesus was actually talking to the crowd. Judge not that you may not be judged. For, within, or for with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. So Mark really hit on judgment versus discernment last week. And we're, no, none of us are free from judgment from God, right? But that's not up to us to, to judge someone else's guilty or, or guilt or innocence in front of God. That's up to us. All we're supposed to do is love God and love people. And we've hit that several times. Um, but making a, a judgment versus making a discernment is completely different. And what he said, and I want to just reiterate that so we don't lose sight of this, is we have to make wise judgments. We have to. It's part of living. When I get out of church today and I go in my pickup, I'm going to make the judgment to stop if the light's red up there. And even if it's not red, I'm probably going to look a couple times before I just pull out on Highway 69. That's a judgment. It has nothing to do with anyone's worth. It has nothing to do with my lack of trust in anything. It's just I don't want to get hit by a car, so I'm going to make wise judgments while I'm driving home. And I hope that all of you do the same. But when we judge, we must never, never judge someone's worthiness. And I know that you, it's hard to escape it. We're born into what we know, what we look like, what the people around us look like. And we can really get you know, quick to judge others by external appearances. The story Mark shared last week, that really I thought about that a lot, about the guy coming up on him at the gas station. You weren't here for that. He was pumping his gas. And a guy comes up, had a hoodie up, had a mask over his face, and he's coming up fast, and he asked Mark for money. And Mark said, was he wrong in thinking that the guy was going to rob him? Probably not. We would all probably think the same thing. But the guy was asking for money, and when Mark asked him to take the mask off, he revealed that he had a deformity on his face, and he was just covering it up. 
So regardless of it, if that was all, you know, what the guy's intentions really were, um, Mark was still in the right in judging that this could be a potential robbery. That has nothing to do with the guy's worthiness, right? That's just Mark looking out for himself. So understand that if you really are hard on yourself about judging others, what are you, what are you judging? Are you judging their worthiness before God? Or are you judging your own safety in a situation? Understand those two things, especially kids. I appreciated that Mark talked about relationships. Um, teenage kids, gr grown people, when you pursue a relationship, be wise. Make good judgments. Never judge their worthiness before God, but understand that people may be toxic for you. People may not be good for you. It has nothing to do with, with your worth or their worth before the throne of God, but be smart about that. So he shared the nail on the forehead video and how he can't see past your own stuff. So perspective, talked about this log and this plank. So when we have something in our eye that's part of our eye, if it's always been there and we're comfortable with it now, and we can't see because these things are all here, right? We can't see past our own stuff for the big picture. It's, we don't see it. The video that he shared last week with the lady sitting there with a the nail on her forehead, and the guy's like, I'm pretty sure all your problems are from that nail, right? And she's like, quit talking about the nail. I just got all this pressure, all this pain. I don't know what it's from. All my sweaters were snagged, right? It was, it was funny. But that's, what, that's how we get. We don't see our own stuff because it's become part of us for so long. This is how we've been. This is the way it has to be. I grew up um, Grant Baptist Church. And I loved it. I still love it. Um, but a lot of places, and even here, we talked about this last week about routines. No matter what church you go to, what building you go to, there's going to be some routine that you get in the habit of. And that can become what church is to you. So it can be a song um, that you sing the first and the third verse on, and then everyone stands on the last verse. They pray, offering plates passed, and you have your structure of how the service goes, and it never changes. And we talked about that last week before uh, the service started. We were talking about routines. And I think Brian or somebody said, yeah, we don't have a lot of routines. And I said, that is our routine. Not having a routine can become your routine too. And then when someone else has a routine, you judge them on that routine because it's not your routine, even though you didn't have one. So no matter what you try to escape, we all are creatures of habit. And we get into the way things are for us, the way things work for us. And if someone else isn't doing the thing that works for us, we judge it. Or we judge them because of their choices or whatever. And that's wrong. It's wrong to make those judgments based on like we have it all together and, and they don't. So in verse 5, he really hits on this. Jesus is talking about, you hypocrite. First, take the log out of your own eye. Then you will see clearly to take the speck out of someone else's. So if we just stop on the judge not, lest you be judged, we never get to, to take the speck out of someone else's. Those two things may not even seem like they go together if we really just focus on the judge not, lest you be judged, period, at the end. That's where we're going to stop. He gets to really quickly, get the log out of your own eye, then you can better remove the speck out of someone else's. What does that look like? What does me taking a speck out of your eye look like? Anybody? If you want to answer, you can. Her tongue? That's interesting. <laughs> She's just shaking her head. I don't know if I believe you or not. <laughs> She's covered her face. She doesn't even want to look at you now. Michael stepped into it. He'll, she'll talk to you after church, Michael. What does that look like, though, if I'm removing this back from someone else's eye? Sorry, Amy. Uh, 
I think he was being sincere the more I look at it. It can look lovingly, right? It can look very, it can look very different depending on if you still have the log in your own eye or not, right? So, for example, if I, um, I don't know, say I approached somebody and said, as a, as a music leader, I approached another music leader that I knew as a friend, and I said, man, you need to start singing hymns for church. Those, you know, the older people in your congregation will really like that. They really they grew up singing those songs, and that's what they want to hear. And he says, you know what? Uh, I just don't, I'm not familiar with them. I don't really have the time to sit down and learn them, and I'm kind of embarrassed to say I don't know them, but I haven't really listened to any hymns. I'm like, man, you really need to get that right. And he comes and visits us, and we do a whole service, I never sing a hymn, right? And he's like, wait a minute. You told me I need to sing more hymns, but then I come listen to you, and you didn't sing a hymn at all this morning. It can be that simple, right? So we need to make sure what we approach people about is important, first of all. I don't think that is. <laughs> it could be, I guess, depending on your heart about it. But we need to make sure that we're consistent. Are we've overcome? Are we, you know, we're handling it? Maybe we still stumble. We all do. But we at least have experienced what they're experiencing, and we're willing to walk down the same road that they're walking down. If we approach them from a place that, yeah, you do that because that's what you need to do, but I'm going to do this because that's what I need to do, it can look very much unlovingly. It can be taken unlovingly. If um, I, so Michael took me literally a while ago, so I was kind of being a little literal. <laughs> If I'm being literal, if Michael comes to me and he's got a speck of sawdust in his eye, he says, man, I've been scratching this all morning, I can't get it out, right? If I can see clearly and I can see the speck in his eye, whether I lick that out or use Visine or whatever, and I help you get it out, now you can see clearly the big picture too. That's what Michael, Michael was just way ahead of us a minute ago. Um, when I do that, that's in love because I want you to not be in pain anymore. I want you to see clearly like I can see clearly. Maybe one time I had something in my eye too and someone helped me get it out. So now I can return the favor because I can see now. But if I have something in my own eye, I can't see clearly to get something out of his. Y'all can see how literally that works and figuratively that works. So you're welcome for that save, Michael. <laughs> um, so he keeps on going. We've misused the judge not so much. I'm just going to read straight from my notes because I'm going to keep rambling up here. Uh, we quote the one verse and let it be. We build our whole theology around it and judge other Christians when we hear them cast judgment. It's confusing, right? Um, as Mark said last week, there, this is the same sermon that Jesus is still up talking in front of the crowds as he was with the Beatitudes, which we talked about a couple of months back. Um, the ones that started out, you know, blessed are, blessed are. You've heard it said, but. You've heard it said, but. And when we talked about that, when Jesus introduces his Sermon on the Mount, he's getting to the point of no one's got it figured out. Even at your best attempt, even though you haven't murdered, even though you haven't committed adultery, if you've done these things that everyone's thought, then you've still done it. You're still guilty. So he doesn't introduce this by freeing us from all these things. He says, think about your own life. If you've even thought someone was foolish or thought you know, that you hated your brother or whatever, that's murder. Same as murder. If you've ever even looked at a woman with lust, it's the same as committing adultery. So he flips the script. It's not like, yeah, you didn't commit that act, but you've thought it and you're still guilty of it because of your thoughts, because you're still impure because of your thoughts. So he restricts it down, and then he gets to this point where he's freeing us up. Now that you know that about yourself, now that you know you've seen the picture, you've had this plank in your eye and you thought you were righteous, the only way to be righteous is to understand that you're not and let me do that for you. That's all he's saying. 
So when we, when we realize that, the log's removed. We can see the big picture. The big picture is Jesus came because we couldn't do this life on our own. We cannot overcome our sin on our own. We cannot save ourselves on our own. Nothing about us makes us worthy or righteous to be with God. He loves us and He chooses us. And that's the big picture. He came to this earth to die for us, to sacrifice His own life for our sin. Not because we've done anything to deserve it, just because He loves us. Once we see that big picture, it's not about the hymns. It's not about, you know, they said this. It's not about they dressed this way. It's not about they've done all these things. It's not about they said this to me. It's about God loved them the same way He loved me, and He died for them too. That's the big picture. So when we judge anyone, it should be um, in a way that it looks like this. Um, I've sinned. I know that I have. I'm still going to. I probably did 10 times this morning without even realizing it. But I see something that's going on in your life. You're a fellow believer. This is how we approach each other. Um, I see something that's going on with you, and I've been there too. Right? I'm not trying to fix you. just want you to know I love you. I see it. I don't know if you do or not. And that can be taken however it needs to be taken. It may not even need to be said. It depends on the relationship that you're in. But it's all about relationships and loving each other above I'm right and you're wrong. This is what you need to do. I think that that's probably clear with everybody. Um, Matthew 7, 1 through 5 that we just read has, has to do with judging. Even more specifically, um, our vision on how clearly we see. The judge not verse is about looking at yourself and seeing the things that's gone on with you. Try to remove those things. We won't be able to get it all done. That's why God has to do it for us. I can't pull the logs out of my eye. Sometimes, sometimes I don't even know what those logs are. I don't even know what they look like. And as I live and, and progress in life, I see new ones that I didn't even know were there before. New things come up. I'm like, man, I really just thought that. I can't. Why would I think that? And you start to realize that you're imperfect. You are imperfect. Imperfect. And there's nothing that you can do to change it, but God's already done the work to change it. God's already done the work to change you. And when that's our perspective, we see the big picture. We put it together. The head is back on. It's not Ernesto de la Cruz. It's just little old bony Hector, right? That was our grandpa the whole time. Back to Coco. Um, but when we see the picture, we see it for all that it is, um, it makes sense. God's done the work for us. All we have to do is understand that and love people. That's it. I tell the kids this every week at youth. They probably get tired of hearing it, but it's so simple. It's so complicated to live out. Um, the greatest commandments, when Jesus was asked, I've said it several times up here, everything else goes underneath it. Every, if these two things are done, every law falls into place. You don't have to worry about anything else as long as these two things are taken care of. The disciples said, what's the greatest commandment? Love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. When the second one's like it, love your neighbor as yourself. Under these two laws, all laws are taken care of. All laws fall under God's authority. You're living right if in everything you do, those two things are taken care of. So we, we focus a lot on discerning the Spirit, understanding where God wants us, what God wants us to do, judging ourselves and what, and what our lives should look like. Are we li really living for God or not? If you're doing those two things, you are. If you're trusting God, loving Him with all your heart, loving other people as you love yourself, that's taken care of. Um, I'm on page two of four. I'm going to cut this short in a minute. <laughs> um, this doesn't say... Do not judge, ever, period. I think I fit that pretty good. Um, it says you'll be judged according to how you judge. 
That's kind of scary, right? So we're going to be judged according to how we judged. Do we judge based on us wanting to be right and prove someone else wrong? Or do we do it in a loving way where we've seen our own logs and we help them remove the speck? Because uh, it can look lovingly if we do it right. Uh, we often read this and we think, um, well, I'm not perfect, so what business do I have to tell someone else about what they are doing wrong? This is probably one of the biggest things I struggle with, and I think it's a good place to, to end here in a minute. Um, we think we're not perfect. so we re- I read that judge not lest you be judged verse, and I let fear creep in sometimes. I'm like, well, I know that I'm not perfect. I know there's things that I don't want anybody to even know about that I've thought, so I probably shouldn't ever say anything, right? I should never talk to someone. I should never try to remove someone else's speck because mine are, have been so obvious. Mine are so... So big, they're just going to turn it on me. Even to the point, like this morning, I was getting this ready, and I'm like, I don't even know. No one's even going to listen. I'm just going to get up there and, and ramble on. And I'll listen to myself on the live feed, or I'll listen to myself post the audio online, and I'm like, Clay, you talk so fast. No one's even going to understand a word you're saying because I'll listen to it back, and I'm like, what did I even just say? Right? So I get up here, and I get nervous, and I start talking, and all these things just come out. And I'm like, half of that probably wasn't even true, but I'm just saying it. So I judge myself uh, based on my worthiness to even be up here talking to a room of people that believe in God. And I have to be grounded in the fact that it's not about me being perfect or having the right words up here. It's just Mark was gone. I filled in for him, and that's my way of loving Mark and not having to call anybody else to come do this. But it can look a lot more selfish than that when you hang out with me before we get here. I can be like, man, I should have just called James Krausen. He would have come, and he would have had several stories to share, and he's awesome at that. Um, but it is—it's difficult, and it's humbling to stand up here knowing that I still got some logs in my eye, and some of them I can't even see. And if one of y'all points some out to me, I may even get upset about it, right? How many of y'all would be upset if someone pointed out the log in your eye? You know, some of your biggest sins, things that you don't even think about, things that you do all the time, habits that you have. You're like, well, that's just how I am. I ain't ever gonna get out of that. And we don't take it lovingly all the time, so we think someone else won't either. But it's all about relationships. When you spend time with people, I promise you, when we leave here today, Meredith may go home and watch that. She may not. Um, but if she was sitting in here in this room, the first thing I do when we got home is say, what would you think about today? And she's going to be honest. She's going to be like, well, you rambled for quite a while, and you probably shouldn't have shared all them stories. And It was noon when we got out, and whoever's taking care of the kids probably didn't appreciate that. You probably should have got done a little bit earlier. Um, but it's not, I don't take, when she says that stuff, sometimes she's joking, sometimes she's not. Uh, whenever she says that stuff, I, I know that she's saying it because she trusts me enough to know that I'm not going to blow up on her. I'm going to be like, well, I'll never get up there and speak again because you didn't like what I had to say or whatever. It's never like that. She never says anything negative about what I said up here. It's always just good, uh, maybe it is, I don't know. <laughs> it's just good critique of what uh, she heard. And it's usually because she was listening. So when we have relationships with people and we have that trust built up, we're in a better place to approach them about stuff that you see that they may not see. Um, I get super busy all the time, and I am a yes man. Everything someone asks me to do, I'll do it. And Meredith checks me on that all the time. She'll be like, why did you even say you'd do that? You could have just stayed home, and that's just another evening or whatever. And that's some of my logs. I don't even realize busyness can be a bad thing. Moderation with everything. We can make anything that seems good um, 
be a bad thing if we make our lives about that. The big picture is life is about relationships with God and each other, and that's the big picture. And if we're trying to remove anybody's speck to make them see the big picture, that's the big picture I hope that you're uncovering, that God's done it for you. You're not going to be perfect. He's died for you anyway, and He loves you. That's it. That's the picture. So when we remove those specks and logs from other people's eyes, make sure that we see that picture while we're doing it, before we even address it. Make sure that's our intent, to show them that picture, show them the picture of what Jesus has done for them. Because if we're showing them anything else, we're just wasting their time. Jesus has done the work. Let's make sure that we love people in a way that, that shows what he's done. So I'm going to quit because Meredith's in the nursery today. <laughs> and uh, as we continue through, I don't know what Mark's got going on next week. I don't know if he's going to bring up the judging thing again. But judging other people is something, I mean, it's so controversial. and Everyone has their own opinions about it, which is ironic anyway, because we judge how people judge. Um, but I just want that to be, as we leave today, let that be your focus. If you're going to judge for anything, judge your own self and how well you're unveiling the picture that God's laid out for us. Are you showing other people the work that Christ has done? Because that's the only... If, there, if things are obstructing that picture, that's what we need to work on removing. Getting those things out of the way so we can do a better job showing people Jesus. So that's all I got. I want to pray for us. And if you want to uh, talk about it, if, uh, maybe there's someone in this room that is thinking that you know they're unworthy. I know I've been there. Everyone else, I'm sure, has been there. Um, you're not. If you want to talk about that, I will. But God ha has died for every single one of us in this room. Whether we accept him or not, he's done the work for it. All he's asked us to do is put our trust in that. So, uh, God, we come today just thanking you for this day to be here. God, thank you for your words. Thank you that we can open up pages 2,000 years removed from the situation and, and read what you had to say. God, thank you that your words are unchanging just as you are. God, thank you that no matter what our culture or society says, um, we serve an eternal God who is always always has been and always will be the truth. God, no matter what lies we believe, you, uh, you remove those obstacles, you remove those lies. God, you strip us down to nothing so that we can see that you're everything. God, let us not be um, overwhelmed when, God, we're consumed by the world. God, whenever we're consumed by pain and heartbreak and we don't understand, God, you haven't called us to have the answers. You haven't called us to know anything but you. God, you, ca you called us to trust you. And I pray that in every situation, God, we don't focus on the material things around us, God, but we focus on the one who made them all. God, all these things will fade, but you're the only thing that will stay the same. God, as we, uh, as we leave here today, let us be uh, able to look at ourselves soberly, God, without, a, without kind of any kind of bias, God, any personal bias about ourselves. Let us understand that things that we have grown up knowing uh, may not be true. God, but in regard to you, you're the only thing that is true. And let us be that what we focus on, God, the thing that we know we can count on as you. Let us share that with others. Let us not get caught up into the little details. God, let us just love and serve you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. You'll have a good week. We'll see you next week. Mark, Mark's back up. Um, I'll be gone. Tyler Florence is leading the service. Wednesday night youth at the McCall's this week. Oh, and Wednesday night. This is one more announcement. Sorry. Uh, Wednesday night, Mark will be here. He is starting a study on the Enneagram.
If you don't know what that is, he'll do a way better job filling you in, but it's basically a personality indicator. It's an exam. So you can learn more about yourself, so you can see yourself more soberly. So if you're interested in that, that's 6 o'clock Wednesday night right here.